Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. It wasn't an awkward pause this time, so that's good. So welcome to the uh, January 18th edition, uh, Wednesday, January 18th. doesn't feel like January. It feels like April. I mean, it's been very warm throughout the uh, southeast today, so uh, we'll talk about that here as we uh, kind of go around the panel to let uh, everyone talk about how warm they got. So uh, welcome to the show. Tonight's is uh, all about women and weather. Uh, we have Kelly Dubeck and Sarah Fortner joining us tonight. Going to kind of talk about uh, their careers and and the ups and the downs of the weather world and just how they got to where they are right now. So for all you guys and girls who are watching in high school and college, tonight's your show to let you know kind of what the experience is all about. So a few housekeeping rules before we get started. If you want to ask any questions tonight, please feel free to. You can submit them to us via our Facebook page, Carolina Weather Group, or you can send them via Twitter, and we will uh, be monitoring that throughout the evening. And if you're watching this or you're listening to this on the podcast, uh, we'll let Sarah and Kelly give out their uh, social media accounts at the end of the show so you can connect with them. So with that, I think we're good. We were uh, expecting to have Erica Martin in with this. Uh, she is from Philadelphia. We're trying to work on that to see if she's going to be on with us tonight. So she may be joining us later on as well. So I'm going to toss it over to uh, the man who I am jealous of because, A, he lives at the beach, and, two, it was almost 80 degrees down there. And he told us earlier he was trying to go uh, kiteboarding, so I don't know if he made it into the water, but – Shay, my gosh, it feels like it's summertime down there. Man, I'm telling you, I mean, we, it's very much like a spring pattern. And this happens every so often in January and February. We get these little early burps of spring. And, you know, we get this high pressure out in the Atlantic. We get a southerly flow. And then you get a cold front approach. You sort of get some coupling going on there. And, of course, our water temperatures are still cool. I think we we're right around 56 or 57 degrees. It may have come up another degree or two. But, uh, yeah, record warmth today. We hit 79 degrees at Charleston Airport which beat the old record of 77 degrees in 1952. So we're definitely feeling some, uh, some spring teases here, but we're, you know, we still have a good bit of time left in winter and um, we, you know, we could see some, some temperatures start to fall by the end of the month. But for right now, very mild weather, not a whole lot of rain, but we'll probably see some this weekend. I think the WPC was showing about two to two to three inches, maybe uh, no severe threat as of yet, but I think some folks down on the panhandle of Florida and into Alabama and Georgia may see some of that severe weather. Uh, some of the Gulf moisture wraps up uh, around a front that's actually over us right now. So we're enjoying the weather as much as we can. And, uh, you know, we're just hope, hope to keep breaking these records for a little while longer before the cold air comes back. Yeah, definitely uh, soak up the uh, warm temperatures and the sunshine while you can. So uh, let's uh, toss it over to the uh, metro, Charlotte metro area with James. And James, how are you this evening? I think you guys broke a record as well. Uh, you know, I'm not 100% sure if it's a record. Sarah may know better than I did, uh, but I was just looking. We got up to 75. So I'm in South Charlotte now, and I think Monroe is my official observation. I don't know what the airport did. Did we it break was. a record today? It yes. was. Yes. It felt like we did. The I'll record was 71. You guys got to 75. So We did good. We, we broke it and then some. So um, not a whole lot in the way of uh, weather tales down here because, of course, it's just been really nice outside, uh, which is that perfect temperature. We don't really need the air conditioning or the heat. But I will say uh, right behind my computer here is a window, and I can look out onto the backyard. And after the ice storm, we had this big bucket of ice. I dumped it out there, and it was the last piece of ice in the entire neighborhood holding on for, like, days. And I just watched it get tinier and tinier and tinier. It's obviously long gone now, but that, I think, was – probably since we last talked. So that's my tidbit for this week. Hard to believe that this week, 70s, last week we were just digging out of snow. So welcome to North Carolina. Let's go up to Virginia where David's at tonight. David, I think you guys got in on a little bit of the action as well with warm temperatures. Maybe not as warm as us, but still quite warm. Yeah, I mean, we officially made it up to 62 degrees after seeing the sun for the first time in what feels like forever. I mean, we've been caddy for ever since what friday maybe thursday afternoon i honestly can't remember the last time we saw the sunshine so it was definitely well sight for sore eyes today we have more sunshine in the forecast tomorrow although a few high clouds moving through no big deal and then a few showers friday morning and a few more as we get into uh sunday and monday as a strong area of low pressure looks to roll up the east coast of the united states it's always fun seeing how low some of the pressures can go and some of the computer models, but it could be a little windy around here as that low pressure moves up the eastern seaboard. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, here in Western North Carolina, we got into uh, the low 70s, but um, our attention's kind of turning into the weekend time frame, especially here in the foothills where uh, we can see some upslope effect rain and heavy rain at that. So um, that's got our attention uh, for this weekend with the active weather. But uh, that's about it. It's been pretty clear and, and calm uh, other than that. So uh, I want to toss it up to Ricky Matthews. He can tell us about uh, Northeast Tennessee and his adventure today uh, in Kentucky. And then uh, kind of bring in our guests and go with the show. Yeah, we had a fun little day. We, we went up, well, I went up to uh, Clintwood, Virginia, a small little community in southwest Virginia. It's in Dickinson County. Unfortunately, a lot of you know southwest Virginia has been impacted pretty hard by the loss of the coal industry. Uh, so a lot of those towns are suffering. Clinton's doing okay, but we installed a new weather camera there today. So nice to give those guys a little exposure and we'll be able to use that camera on some of our upcoming broadcasts. So we're really excited about that. But it, uh, we put it on a hotel and it was a endeavor to get that camera up there because we tried to put it on the roof and uh, the only router was on the first floor. So trying to go five stories up with an internet router wasn't uh, <laughs> the best thing ever. Then we had to fight wasps in the attic and also had to stick our hand in maybe about a three or four inch hole to try and get the camera on the roof. Eventually we just said, forget it. And we put it on the sign outside, but uh, that was my fun today. Oh, and it also takes two hours to get to Clintwood. So Ricky, you do, you do networking. I got some jobs for you around the house here when you get a second. Yeah. yeah if you wouldn't mind. Great. Well, I mean, I guess it did beat going up on our 4,000 foot transmission tower where other cameras are. So I guess my day could have been uh, more adventurous, but anyway, that was about all the, uh, for that scotty but all right we'll bring in our guest here and we'll change our topic a little bit we uh you know our, our show topic tonight is women in weather and we i think have two of the best southeast meteorologists around to join us tonight oh sarah uh, but as many of you know in the charlotte area sarah fortner's over at wcnc in charlotte she's been on uh Few of the backgrounds of some of our hangouts before. I think she was on one with Panovich once when he was doing one of the Carolina snow Hello. ones. She was hiding back there in the back, but we're happy to have you on tonight. And hey, uh, thanks for having me. Happy to have Kelly as well from down at WRDW. Now, Kelly, I was looking up your bio stuff. Are you guys two different stations? Is that what I'm getting at? Or uh, yeah, we acquired the NBC affiliate a few months ago, so we're technically two different stations, but we simulcast everything. So it's a little. Well, we're, it's it's a little confusing. <laughs> gotcha. One of those stations. All right. Well, we're happy to have you tonight as well. And you're a Carolina person where you went to UNCA, correct? Yeah, I graduated from UNCA uh, in May. So recent, recent graduate from there. It's always nice to have some Carolina connection on our show. So, so we had a few topics. First off, we want to have both of you introduce yourself because, you know, you, you're first time regulars on our show. So let's have Kelly, you can go ahead first. And then Sarah, you follow right after her. All right. Well, yeah, I'm Kelly Dobeck. I recently graduated from UNC Asheville in May, so I've only uh, been in broadcast meteorology officially for about a year, but I've kind of been around um, social media-wise and stuff like that. Um, I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio, so I have made my way down south to the warmer weather um, for sure. I, uh, in college, I wasn't 100% sure I wanted to do broadcast meteorology. I pretty much dipped my feet in every single meteorology path possible. I did some interning at the Climate Center in Asheville. I worked with the NASA DEVELOP program. I did some field research. I hiked uh, the Great Smoky Mountains to calibrate rain gauges and encountered some bears. Um, I did some weather balloons uh, with Dr. Miller up at UNCA. He does a few projects with wintry precipitation. So I pretty much uh, went every single way and did some broadcast meteorology internships too up in at WLOS in Asheville and WKYC in Cleveland. And um, after all of that, I realized that I'm way more of a hands-on person. I'd rather communicate with people daily than sit behind a desk um, and do research because I really enjoy talking to people all the time. Um, so that's a big reason why I decided to do broadcast meteorology, being able to uh, tell people the weather and communicate people uh, communicate with people effectively in the science world as a woman is a pretty big deal. So um, that's a little bit about where I came from and why I'm here today. So, all righty, very cool. And Sarah, for you, what was your path? Okay, so Kelly, first of all, it was really nice to meet you. Um, so I went to FSU. I'm born and raised from Florida. My weather background is a little different because my dad is a farmer. He grows potatoes in Northeast Florida. 
So I kind of always grew up um, paying attention to the weather because it was just what we did. It was um, it was cool, but you know we actually just planted potatoes this past Monday. So what we get and what I remember watching as a kid is that like we were in North Florida, so we're like an hour south of the Georgia line, and watching those uh, freeze the freeze come in every now and then, and that would you know cause the farm to go into chaos. And so that's kind of how I got interested in weather because. It's kind of funny because we knew when to behave. If the weather didn't do what it was supposed to do, we would know not to like act a fool or we would get in trouble because dad was always, you know, sleepless. Um, so I went to Florida State and tried meteorology. Honestly, I flipped a coin. I was like, I love math. I love science. Um, I just so happen to go to a school that has a great program. So we'll try it out. And I did it for a year and it was really, really hard. Um, I loved math and science, but I think it was – Calc 2, that kind of gave me a run for my money, or I think a synoptic class maybe, um, Dr. Fuelberg, and, you know, just really tough times. So I switched to accounting and finance for, I think, a semester and a half, and then realized, no way, like my passion was so, was weather, and I did FSU weather, so that's kind of where I got started on TV, and David can attest, um, I've come a long way. I'm not good, but I've come a really long way. Uh, so I went to FSU. I graduated. I took my first job in Southeast Ohio, WHIZ, which is in Zanesville. And it um, was like market 203 or 204. And it was like my first job offer. I was like, I'll take it, you know. And so I did that for a year. And then I, in, I interviewed around several places, but I really wanted to go to a market with severe weather. So I was there for about a year and then took a job in Little Rock, Arkansas and was there for four years um, and just learned a ton about a weather pattern that I had no familiarity with. I mean, growing up in Florida, you can only imagine my first tornado warning. I was like, like panic, like we're all gonna, you know, hit the roof. But people out there were just like no big deal. Um, so that was an adjustment. But then I admired Brad because he, my chief meteorologist, Brad Panovich, and really wanted to work under him and learn from him. And I nailed the job in Charlotte last February, I guess. Yeah, it's about a year ago. And so I've been here a year, and that's my deal. So for, with both of you growing up, um, when you kind of told your friends, told your family, hey, I want to go study clouds for a living, what were some of the reactions that you got? Uh, well, I'll go first. Um, my dad was actually very into weather uh, as well. He um, set up a weather station on our playground in my backyard. Um, so ever since I was little, we worked on it together and we had a website where we collected all the data and put it on called strongsvilleweather.com. Uh, it's not running anymore because in eighth grade, I thought volleyball was my calling and I knocked the weather station down in eighth grade. Um, but uh, most of my friends would come over when I was little, like in second or third grade and be like, what is on your playground what is that thing that's moving around and I would explain to them and tell them uh, I'd have pe my friends over at my house and we have alarms to go off whenever there's severe weather high winds and people would be like what is, what's going on in your house like what what are all these noises uh, yeah so uh it's definitely something I grew up with so to me it's like a hundred percent normal um to other people telling them in high school I remember being like oh I'm going to be a meteorologist and I was like oh really <laughs> it's, it's a very like uncommon thing to just know that that's what you want to do like you know I want to study the weather and I've pretty much been like that since um I know a lot of weather people got into it when they were younger similar to Sarah with her family so a lot of meteorologists kind of know that this is what they want to do um so I was always you know when my family calls it me the weather girl as a term I take it as a term of endearment because they're my family so they're like you're our weather girl um but uh, definitely, a, it's a funny response sometimes when you tell people what you do, for sure. I just remember in college being like, oh, yeah, I'm a meteorology degree. So they're like, oh, so you want to be a weather girl. So I, I always kind of use it as a, an opportunity to explain to people um, meteorologists are everywhere and you need them for all kinds of things, not just your like hair cast on a Tuesday morning. Um, so I can't remember, but I do have video. Apparently it's somewhere in VHS somewhere in my house of me doing the weather with construction paper behind me as my seven day. And I'm talking into a hairbrush. <laughs> Apparently it's somewhere. I don't know how to convert it or where it is, but it's out there. And um, so I didn't know I always wanted to be on TV to a lot. Like Kelly said, I didn't get that as many experiences as she did, but I was kind of like, eh, because 
as I'm sure we'll talk about, there are a lot of um, scary things to go into a field like this where you are a scientist and you have a responsibility, but you are also an entertainer for um, people at home. So it's a weird, awkward line to walk along sometimes. And I knew that going into it. Um, and so I don't remember. I hope that answered your question. I'm rambling. <laughs> Ricky, you're muted myself. Sarah's Max box fails. I expect her to reenact this whole, you know, colored paper hairbrush <laughs> yeah. thing live on air. So uh, we'll have to get. Who knows? Yeah, we'll have to get some video of that. But you mentioned a good point. You know, you you brought up the weather girl term, and that's become somewhat of a controversial topic over the years. Some people, you know, don't have a problem with it. Other people are really against people using that term. Um, give us a good reason on both sides. Let's kind of play devil's advocate here on both sides. Uh, both of you. I think people don't call us meteorologists because I really don't think they know how to say it. It is kind of a tongue twister. And so I think it just is easier for people. I don't even think they think twice about it, honestly. Um, but then I also, and it, I take every, Kelly, you could probably attest for this, but I take every opportunity, just where it is, the opportunity for conversation to kind of elaborate being like, actually, like, I am a meteorologist, not just a weather girl, because I am a weather girl. I am on people's TV, and as far as they know, a lot of times, that's what I am. But I also use that opportunity to kind of explain that, no, like, I'm a scientist. Like, I do exactly what – I can do exactly what people do behind the scenes that are at the National Earth Weather Service. Kelly, what do you think? Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, uh, I have my mom and dad who will call me their weather girl and stuff like that. And I never take that offensively at all. You know, it's just my parents or my close family calling me this. They're like, you're our little weather girl. Like, just, it's not, it's not, they know how much schooling I went through. They knew all the hard work that I put into it. So they're not saying it to be, you know, contradictive or anything. Sometimes, I mean, just on social media, really, it's whenever I try to um, politely, uh, you know, correct people because sometimes, you know, everybody makes mistakes, and when you're on TV, everybody sees your mistakes. <laughs> I've learned that very quickly, because um, typically I work weekends, and there was one day where I got a little bit tongue-tied with my words, and I kept calling Thursday, Sunday, and it happened more than once. You know what day of the week it is. You know, yeah, I, you know, I'm just talking about the weather. Uh, so someone commented on one of our station Facebook pages and was like, Does, is your weather girl's teleprompter broken? Um, and I, you know, had to politely correct them and just be like, you know, I am an atmospheric scientist, a meteorologist, uh, you know, my weather forecast was correct. I was just getting a little bit confused on the day of the week, you know, I'll be on again at 11 o'clock. I'll make sure I know my days of the week by then. Um, so just like educating people, letting them know like, hey, you know, we don't use teleprompters. We're scientists. We forecast the weather every day. Um, but at the same time, we're human too. We make mistakes, but, um, we work, we, we've worked really hard to get to where we're at. I think it's, you know, all of us who have had some dwelling in broadcast, David and James can attest to, and I'm sure you know, I've got the same responses. People will get on you the second you mess up, which has always been amazing to me because I think we're probably one of the very few fields, except for maybe sports, you know, uh, anchors and stuff who also who get this kind of deal. It's like people will attack us for uh, no reason. But why do you think that people sometimes seem to go after women in the field more, uh, unfortunately. Kelly, do you want to go first? Uh, up to you. I can, I can go first. Um, I think it's just, just because, I mean, a lot of it has to do with just history-wise. Like, historically, there's been more male meteorologists than women. Um, so some people sometimes aren't used to seeing, especially people um, of older crowds who've been watching the news their whole lives, have, aren't used to seeing women meteorologists. Um, and sometimes, you know, a lot, since social media has become very prevalent, it's a lot easier for somebody to hide behind a screen and be a lot more critical of you because they're not with you in person. Um, and with women, I think, you know, there's a lot of stuff we have to do that men don't, hair, makeup, dresses, all that stuff that come into play. And sometimes I think people can get a little bit more focused on that than the science and the stuff we put behind it, which, you know, since we are entertainers, we have to, you know, we're on TV, we have to look professional, but at the same time, it's hard to be like, you know, my looks aren't what's important. What's important is my forecast. Right. I agree. I think it's a history thing completely. I mean, um, Kelly, question for you. How many girls did you graduate with, with your degree? Do you know offhand? Yeah. Two other girls besides me. <laughs> sure. 
I mean, and I, I think there was like about 20-ish of us that like kind of all graduated with the, the undergrad in uh, meteorology. And one went on to grad school. One went to be a weather producer at the Today Show or GMA. I don't remember where Mel is. I think it's GMA, but she may have started at NBC. And then there was me. And I was the only one that went right into being on television. And so that odds right there just kind of explain to you the, the minority that comes with being a female meteorologist or atmospheric scientist, like you said. Um, so I think it's a history and I think still think our odds are against us and familiarity. What I think is funny, and you guys can all chime in here, different markets. So there's a market in Pennsylvania, I'm not gonna point it out, but there are no female morning meteorologists. Whereas in a market in Tennessee has three out of like five networks have chief female meteorologist. So I think that stations are kind of, um, I don't know, what do you guys, wh what is it like in y'all's market as far as female goes in mornings versus evenings? We currently have zero female meteorologists at all. We've had two uh, not meteorology majors come in and try to do weekend weather for a while. And both of them kind of came in and then left after a short little amount of time, but it's really just us. Um, of course, we only have two stations in our market as well, but I would say I know Knoxville has several female meteorologists. Um, I think Nashville, isn't there two stations that have chiefs over there? Yeah, there's three. That, that was the one three. I was talking about. Yeah, there's three female chiefs there. And David, I know up in your area, you have Aubrey, who's a chief now at uh, Harrisonburg. Yeah, Aubrey. Aubrey's the chief in Harrisonburg. Uh, she's in the Valley, but in the Charlottesville market, we don't have a single female meteorologist morning, evening, weekends. I know Richmond has quite a few. I know um, Roanoke has started to add more in D.C. I can't remember how many D.C. has, but I know we don't have any in the two stations in the Charlottesville. We don't have any. Right. Just curious because I think that has a lot to do with it. I think it's a new concept still um, in, a mar in a job where you don't see a ton of turnover because everyone loves our job. Um, and we are starting to see with this new age a turnover. And um, so I think that's where females are kind of jumping on board. Sarah, you had a blog post one time there or, or tweet or something uh, with I've mentioned that you were the only female meteorologist at the station. Hashtag, I think, li my life story or something like that. Yeah, Talk like a little it. bit about that and the challenges it brings. Um, it's Kelly, maybe you can agree with this. Are you the only female? I am the only female. So, so our weather office, as far as organizational things and like, clean, <laughs> like cleanliness, but like outdatedness, Wow. Like there wasn't a female there like three years before I, I got in there. So I had to roll and I continue to roll up my sleeve and just <laughs> declutter and uh, just organize. That's just something kind of workflow oriented. And then um, like the guys don't know what it's like to take time before their show to glue on fake eyelashes. Like, can you imagine Larry Sprinkle like doing that? Like she probably <laughs> would need some help. And so I think that my time was oriented a little bit different before the show. Um, and uh, I don't know, Kelly, you chime in. Uh, yeah, I'm similar. You know, I'm the only girl and there's a bit of an age gap between me and the rest of the meteorologists too. Um, the youngest meteorologist besides me, he's uh, almost turning 30 and I'm 22. Um, so I'm like, bringing, you know, I'm kind of, Unsettling, I guess, in a way, too, because, like, I'm a woman, and, you know, um, I'm the age of social media. Like, I, that's one of the major reasons why I was, like, brought in is because I have all these ideas for social media when a lot of the meteorologists I work with, it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a thing when they first started out. Um, so it's definitely different. Uh, it's uh, interesting being the only girl because you do bring a lot of different perspectives um, to the table, for sure. I think it's important too, like, and how we tell the weather story because we are talking to just as many women as men. And when I can chime in and say, like, what, you know, I started over this summer a hair cast, which is not anything new, but I was the first one on our team to start doing that because I'm the one with hair. And <laughs> so people loved it, though. They just loved that that uh, ability to connect. Um, and so. That's yeah, you can definitely connect to, to viewers differently just because, I mean, in general, like, mannerisms are usually different, too. So it's just a lot of 
it's a lot of different things running the table and that's you know why there I think there's a lot of toughness and a lot of greatness in it you know people aren't used to it but at the same time it's a it's a new and exciting thing to have women in meteorology Scotty and I were laughing because we've seen that weather uh room at WCNC and boy you're right it uh (laughs) But I, don't know. Back. I did some screen cleaning. <laughs> Before you showed up, it looked like a tornado ripped through there, and not Brad's tornado simulator, no. like a real one. And it was all of Larry and Brad's ties just hanging everywhere, and yeah. <laughs> it was like a gymnasium, I like to call it. So, or a locker room. It was kind of felt like a man's locker room, and I was like, hey, guess what? A woman's here now, so we're organized. So it was. Uh, it's been a fun process. The nice thing is there is bags of candy after Easter when Panovich steals them from his kids. Uh, don't tell anyone that secret. And Halloween. I saw and some information yeah. show up after Halloween. But. <laughs> Perks of being an intern. All right. Let's change topics a little bit. We've kind of hit most of the key things, I think, about some of the challenges of being a female meteorologist in this market. Uh, anything else you guys wanted to bring up before we kind of shift gears a little bit? Okay. Well, I, I, I had a question. Right? you have had really interesting kind of paths to get to here. Sorry, James, do you have something? I said I had a question, but I think I'm in a huge delay, so I'm sorry. I was going to ask the women, going back to their uh, their stories, uh, growing up and in college, and, and the fact that we've, we've touched upon that women in this workforce are a minority, does that affect you uh, as a child? Do you think people who are studying look at that and, and kind of, how, does, how do you think that affects them when they, when they look at the TV screens and they're seeing mainly men? Oh, I don't know. Okay. I think was that- Was it a that ever occurred to you? Like no. consciously? I guess no, it hasn't. I just remember, and this is kind of my platform, like I am just really, like I've spoken to a lot of high schools, like junior and seniors, like girls, um, pulled them aside and just, you know, I did this once or twice in Arkansas and was just like, hey, guess what? Like you probably will struggle to find girlfriends, like because – there's just so few of us. I mean, in, in all core classes in college, even, I mean, calculus and chemistry and physics, like there's maybe five girls out of 60 to 70 because it's all engineering or it's, you know, meteorology was that way. So I just kind of encourage them that that's okay because at that age, high school, when you're trying to decide a major, you, you kind of want to do what your friends still do. And so that's kind of, um, when you were talking about being in school, that's just something I remember being like odd man out. Like it was me and like four dudes always doing group projects. And so just to kind of encourage them in that. Yeah. And to go follow along on the school visits, it's something that I do a lot now. And I did a lot in college too, is I'd always coordinate school visits with the college students to high schools, elementary schools. And once again, I was pretty much, if I didn't bring one other girl with me, I was the only girl who would come to the schools. Um, but I think just even talking to even younger than high school, uh, girls that are interested in, you know, when you're uh, explaining weather terms to them, having them just look up at you like this, uh, it kind of makes things all worth it. Uh, especially I get a lot of letters after I go to school visits. I'm sure you guys have too. Um, and little girls writing, you know, I want to be a meteorologist now after seeing you. Um, what kind of math classes did you take and stuff like that? So, I mean, I think, uh, Growing up, I did have a chief meteorologist who is a woman in my market, Betsy Kling, um, who I look up to. I interned with her. She's a huge role model for me. Um, and uh, having someone like that, you know, that's kind of how I'm like, you know, I want to be that for, for a little girl. You know, I want to be that person who shows them that, like, you can be a woman in this market and, like, you know, dominate and do a great job. It doesn't have to be all men, for sure. Yeah, agreed. And I think, you know, after going to NWA conferences and stuff like that, I think that's one of the best things about our field is, especially the female meteorologists, the women in weather seem to always rally around each other and uh, you guys look out for one another. So uh, I love that BK was uh, your go-to because she was one of my first women meteorologists like on air that I'd ever met. I'd met a lot of guys growing up. I Like George Winterling down in Jacksonville, Florida was like, our family's dude that we would watch like all the time. So I was, when I was working in Southeast Ohio, I went to a winter weather uh, kind of briefing at, the, at Pittsburgh's National Weather Service. And it was a table, a big table of probably 12 to 15 people. And it was little old me, like just in broadcasting like two months maybe. And I had no idea what I was doing. And Betsy Kling, and she was like running the table. And I was like, I want to be that girl. And she, um, 
she became my mentor over the next two years, and I still go to her to reach out to. So shout out to B- some BK. Yeah, she's the best. She, I, I always go to her for help. I mean, she helped dictate the rain delays in the World Series. Like, how cool is that? That's the one I sent uh, Catherine over to, and Henry helped out with that too at NWA this year. So she's in uh, our other local North Carolina girl who's working sports broadcast is in good hands. Uh, Sounds like we need to get BK on here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, a little transition a little bit because I think some of you guys have some interesting stories. And so first off, we need to hear this bear story because there's got to be something behind that, Kelly. Yeah, um, for sure. I was with uh, Dr. Miller and one of my other uh, students who graduated, graduated with me. His name is Massey Bartolini. I don't know if any of you guys know him. Um, he, We were all hiking um, in the Great Smoky Mountains and Something we do all the time, calibrate rain gauges, they're kind of off the grid a little bit of paths because you want people touching them and all that stuff. And a lot of the times they do get destroyed by bears. And I've heard tons of stories of them being destroyed by bears. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, it's fine. We're not going to run into a bear. There's three of us. It's going to be too afraid, blah, blah, blah. So we were literally on the side of a mountain. <laughs> and I heard really loud footsteps. And I was like, wow. What is that? That sounds so loud. And Dr. Miller was like, you know, everything sounds a lot louder when you're out in the middle of the woods and there's no one around. It's probably just a squirrel, uh, you know, frolicking in the leaves. And I turn and look to my right, and there's a giant bear that feels like it's like less than 25 feet away from me, but it was probably a couple hundred feet back. And I was like, guys, no, 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 it's it's a bear, it's a bear, it's a bear. <laughs> um, so. Uh, Dr. Miller starts yelling and whistling, trying to scare it away, and you hear it start to move faster. And at this point, I'm not looking to see if it's moving faster towards me or the other way. I have my backpack, and I'm ready to, like, you know, like, get up the mountain as fast and quickly as possible. Um, Massey had bear spray. He pulled out the bear spray, and I was like, I don't even know if that's really going to work. (laughs) Um, But luckily, it went the other way. Um, and I never climbed up a mountain faster and back down a a mountain faster in my life than after seeing that bear. It was probably, usually I was behind everybody because I wasn't the fastest climbing up mountains. Uh, but that time I was, you know, leading the pack. I was getting off that mountain as quick as possible. (laughs) Now, if you do it nowadays, you get hazard pay or something. (laughs) I just want to let you know, Kelly, UNCA is watching right now and they're very excited that you're telling the bear story. They just messaged me. Oh, great. (laughs) Great. That's awesome. All right. And Sarah, with your time in Arkansas, what are some of the tornado stories that you have? Oh boy. Um, I remember one of my first tornadoes always happen on Sunday in Arkansas, by the way, it's like a climatological fact now that I was a weekend meteorologist. I just remember every Sunday it was like a thing. And uh, at least it seemed that way. And I remember, we get, it's very different in Arkansas to cover tornadoes because a good portion of our area are rice fields. And so and when you work for, you know, a big station that covers 60 counties and you cut in for during a playoff football game for a, um, a county that is 95% rice fields, you know, there's a lot of kind of controversy with that. I mean, how do you do that? And then we would never cut in for severe thunderstorm mornings because that was just policy because we had so many in Arkansas. So when I come here and it's like very different weather approach, that's kind of been a journey for me. Um, But I would say my most significant tornado was April 27th, 2014. Um, It was, I mean, that was a whole outbreak across the Southeast, but that was the first time where it was a confirmed tornado and I was on air and people were listening to me in their safe place where I knew a tornado was moving into Valonia, Arkansas. We knew it was happening headed right there. So that was kind of a monumental moment to where I didn't care what I looked like. I didn't care what I sounded like, but it was the one of the times I can remember, I don't, I didn't care about any of that. I could have put my hair up in a ponytail and had a sweatshirt on. It was, it came right down to saving people's lives. And uh, that was a big monumental moment. And then I also remember, which happened on a Sunday, another, the first tornado warning I ever cut in for is during a football game. And I didn't know that you could cut into football games Oh, because it was a, a rural county. And so I was just going to hop on really quick in a timeout and say, hey, we have a tornado warning, continue the conversation on social media kind of thing. And I didn't know that you could just voice over graphics. 
so instead I literally had my hair up in a ponytail with no makeup on. I had no makeup on yet. And it was in the middle of a football game. So I cut in across the entire state, like to say, Hey, there's a tornado. People were like, who is this high school girl? Like that was just on air because I was like, Nope, it's just me. It's fine. No one recognized me. Um, so that's kind of a funny tornado scenario and then a very serious tornado scenario. But, um, there was a learning experience. My first year, I think we had, uh, close to 70 tornadoes in that spring. So that was nuts. It was nuts. But, um, you know, I got my feet wet right away. I need to go to Arkansas. We don't get tornadoes. We haven't had a tornado warning in 900 plus days in my DMA. Not that no. you're counting. <laughs> nope. I, know, I know, Sarah, driving to uh, Oklahoma City, I, I've drove to Oklahoma City a few times and going through Valonia, it, you can still see the damage to this day. It's, it's I, I can imagine, you know, being there, you know, talking about this as it's happening and then one of my favorite things was afterwards I got to go out and cover it because a lot of times they keep meteorologists in-house um, but I got to go out into the field and see for my own eye with my own eyes and I it just was unreal and so I think that was kind of a career changing moment for me um, just to just full circle like I remember the Saturday night the SPC outlook came and we were in an um, like a, a um, high, we were at a high risk or whatever. And I remember being and normally when severe weather comes, I'm all I'm like, ee! like, but I can't get excited on air, but like off air, I'm all like excited. But that was a night I remember Saturday night being like scared. I was like, this, this is a perfect scenario for a very messy situation. And, you know, here we go. And then covering it and then the follow up. So that was um, a monumental thing for me. And playing off of the, the the tornado theme, one thing I was really impressed, um, you know, fairly you're still fairly new to Charlotte. Um, I guess it was last month uh, in December we had the tornado um, pop up, and you know, I, I think Brad was off. I think you were the only one there. You know, still kind of getting familiar with Charlotte. So talk about that experience uh, going doing the uh, the play by play for the tornado warning. Um, well, the thing about tornadoes is you need to know your area because you can get on air and say, "Hey, there's a tornado," and York County, so seek shelter, but you still have to keep talking. I mean, you don't just get off air after you say that. And so it's really putting yourself, or at least I try to do this, um, into like if you're in your living room and you're a mom and you have kids or if you're a 20-something and you see this tornado warning, like what would go through your mind? And then that's how you have to think. But what's really hard about one-man coverage of tornadoes, you're also trying to be a scientist. Kelly, you can attest. I mean, all of you guys can. You also have to be a scientist. So you want to check radar and the velocity. And um, so it's like doing three things in your mind at once because you're ingesting information, you're watching, and you're speaking. Um, so that was a very interesting situation. I'm glad that it happened in a part of our DMA that I kind of relatively knew and had been there. Um, because that's what, you know, I, I wish when I look back on it, I wish I would have done a little better job at, but thankful that I did know what I did know about the area just to know, you know, Brad was awesome. He was like, Oh, that's the Microsoft building. I'm like, how do you know that? Like, how did you know that that, that building was there? Because he's been here for 15 plus years. So when it comes to tornado, I think that it was um, just knowing the area. And, you know, when we had the, um, the radar imagery showing debris signature, we were like, okay, this is happening. Like, and I'm, I'm glad that Brad was there at that moment when we were like, okay, this is really happening. Um, because it's just nice to have someone with you that is, that can take, that knows the people better than you do. Although I was happy to serve, if that makes sense. Kelly, what about you? What what's have you had any warnings yet? Uh, since I've been here since about last May, we've had one tornado warning, and it was a week and a half ago. Um, I was off. I was sitting in my living room because uh, there's a bad thunderstorm. I was keeping an eye on it because you know I'm off, but I'm still like, oh, I need to check radar because I'm always working. Basically. <laughs> I'm always excited about weather. Um, and it was like 11.03 and my chief was on and the tornado warning popped up and I knew he was there by himself. And I was like, I, I only live a few minutes from my station. I was like, I know that, you know, because with everything, I'm like having more meteorologists there, the better. Like it was right in our like core counties. Um, so I like drove in pretty strong thunderstorm weather to my stations a few minutes away 
and helped him out. I didn't uh, do any on-air coverage, but just like keeping up with social media and stuff like that and Facebook Live because our live stream had cut out. So it's just like keeping track of all those things and watching, you know, someone who's experienced do that uh, was really helpful because I've only cut in for severe thunderstorm warnings. I haven't had any tornado experience yet. Um, and just doing it for severe thunderstorms warnings, uh, it's exciting but nerve-wracking. So it was really good to like get behind the scenes but really see what happens during a tornado warning to know what you have to do and how to prepare yourself. So Did Betsy, did Betsy teach you um, Calm Cool Collected? I don't remember. When I used to have tornado warnings, I, my heart would just like want to come out of my mouth is what it felt like because it was just, you know, all, all no to save people. And so every, before every tornado warning, every time I've ever done it, I write down the words calm, cool, collected, um, just to kind of remind myself, like if I get frantic, there's no way that people are going to understand me. So I'm not going to get anywhere anyways. So that was just the BK BK tip that she taught me a long time ago. I didn't she, know used, she used to tell me um, whenever she would, she was, uh, you know, my best critic, you know, she told me like it is all the time. Uh, whenever I would practice for her during my internship, she's the very first person I've ever interned with. Um, she would stand next to the camera and say, go ahead, do your weather hit. And I'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and she'd always just be like, pretend you're talking to your dad. Pretend your camera, you know, is a close family friend. You're just telling your dad what the weather's like. If there's severe weather, you're, you know, letting your dad know what's going on. So that's she, that's kind of similar to what she told you. Kelly, I got a question for you. Um, you're, you've been in Augusta since May, so you've seen almost four seasons. Um, you're, you're rounding into springtime, but – we see a lot of interesting weather and right where you are, it's just above the coastal floodplain along the Midlands uh, or basically right at the foot of Piedmont. So what, what type of weather do you find the most interesting for your area in the Southeast? I know we have the sea breeze here at the coast and it's directly tied into there, but is there anything in particular, maybe even some wintry events? Uh, did you guys get any flurries last week? Um, we, barely got some flurries we had a few flakes fall enough to maybe like collect it off of uh the you know windshield of a car and make a very tiny snowball um but uh not so much i guess what my being in the south could completely different experience from being in the north because uh in cleveland it was like effect snow all the time you know a couple inches of snow no big deal here you know a dusting it is a huge deal you're on it 24 7 and snowfall forecasting in the south is a lot different than i mean lake effect forecasting is tough but forecasting snow in the southeast to me in my personal opinion is even tougher because at least people in the north yeah if you know it's there's a couple inches of snow whatever if you're wrong it's a little bit more it's fine here you know if you're wrong you could cause you know catastrophic damage people could get stuck in their cars or like the ice storm we had two years ago i wasn't here but just hearing the stories from that and people being out of power for two weeks but also if you're wrong here people are never ever going to forget that it didn't snow when you ruined their children's morning because they couldn't go make a snowman um <laughs> so it's definitely interesting in that perspective and also uh temperature wise when i first came here um it was in the 80s and uh, I was like, oh, it's going to be a hot day today. And they're like, it is not hot unless it is 90 degrees or above. You do not say it is hot outside unless it is above 90. And I was like, well, good to know. <laughs> um, so just seeing the very the interesting frontal patterns where we'll get like a cold front that moves through. But by the time it gets to the south, it kind of stalls out right in front of the area. We get a stationary front, so we get no rain, just hot temperatures through the whole entire summer. And then the front kind of just fizzles out. Um, so that's very an interesting pattern that, you know, I'm not used to. I'm very much used to the colder temperatures, um, constant severe weather, uh, lake effect snow. Um, in Asheville, snow forecasting is a little bit different, too, because I have the mountains. Um, so I've had lake effect snow, mountains, and now southern snowstorms. Um, so snow is one of my favorite things to forecast just because it is a little bit more challenging, and I always learn something new with every single storm. Um, I actually did watch a lot of Brad Panovich's videos uh, for the Charlotte snowstorm because Charlotte's not too far away where uh, he explains things pretty well, too. Um, so it's interesting seeing how each different city prepares, especially in the south, uh, for snowstorms. That's something that so far I've enjoyed. Yeah, we, we definitely get uh, <laughs> retrograding high pressures that that cause some really cool weather in, in Augusta. I know some really hot. I mean, you got uh, you started out in a very hot year. I mean, one of the hottest years we've had. Yeah. In a very long time. I think the hottest July ever. 
Uh, but when you get retrograding highs in the Northeast Gulf and the Atlantic, you know, these fronts stall out and you just get hot, sticky, humid weather. So, um, the, <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to, I know in Augusta, I watch that area a lot for thunderstorming and um, some of the urban heat island effects there. And you get a lot of outflow boundary collisions in that area too. Does that cause a lot of damage with winds? Um, we've had one significant wind uh, damaging event. Well, I guess two over the summer. Um, the first being uh, just normal thunderstorm. And then, like you said, one of those collisions happens and we had a really strong microburst. I think it was my second week of working in broadcast meteorology from graduating. And someone calls the weather office and I pick it up and they're like, there was a tornado. The newsroom calls, there was a tornado. And I was like, there was not a tornado. I'm like, please don't tell me I missed a tornado. It's my second week. I've been staring at the radar all day. There was no way there was a tornado. Um, it turns out it was exactly like you said, there was a microburst from the collision of the winds. Um, and ever since then, there was a couple other small events like that. But I mean, for the most part, that's the most exciting weather we get are, you know, are those small outflow boundaries and then the hot conditions and then a few thunderstorms like that. But it is, you know, it keeps you on your toes because even though they're small events, they're very interesting the way they come about. So Sarah, you and Kelly are talking about Betsy um, being a big role model for you guys, but I want to kind of, and, and Kelly, you mentioned this too. I want to kind of bring it to someone that we know. I know Ricky and I have really worked hand in hand with Brad Panovich and uh, consider Brad a, a great friend and a, a mentor How's it been working a year with Panovich? I mean, the guys. Oh my gosh, my brain wants to explode every <laughs> weather event. Um, we actually had a good bonding moment because he comes in and he's in the zone. I mean, he's focused. He has a thousand things going on in his brain at once. Um, so the night of the snowstorm, we had forecasted, you know, and that's just, I'd ask him a hundred million questions. So the night of the snowstorm, I was at work and we, he was there. He's like, I'm waiting for this to switch over to snow. It's got to switch over. And I was like, well, I'm not leaving if Brad's not leaving because I don't want to miss something. Like don't want FOMO status. And so I FOMO is fear of missing out. So he and I are just <laughs> in the weather center by ourselves, like, just staring at radar, like going loony, like watching this, this line, just like dance along the Metro. Like it was something I can't make up. It was just unreal. And so we're sitting there, we're sitting there and he's like at like three fifteen, he's like, okay, I'm going home. Like I have to sleep and this is crazy. Like this is making him mad. Um, so just to see his persistence, honestly, is, is, I mean, and then I also have to tell myself because I struggle sometimes because I'm competitive and I, and I just legit can't compete with that. But I also realize that he's had 20 more years of experience than I have. Um, and, but my favorite part about Brad is that he is persistent. He, he is um, and he really cares. It's not like he's just doing it to um, just, you know, clock in, clock out kind of thing, get his tweet count up. He, he is in it to inform and make aware and so and that's one of the main reasons I mean I came to Charlotte I love Charlotte um, um, and so I love Charlotte and I remember though when my when my company Tegna or was at the time Gannett um, overtook the Belo station here and I went to my news director this was in June of 2013 2014 I won't forget it was right when Megan left and I was like I want to go there I don't even have to be on air but if I could just learn from him for a year off air I would be set because he is just a wealth of knowledge. Um, and then here I am like still working with him. So that's kind of been a surreal um, experience just to be with him for a year and learn. But like I said, I, my brain just wants to explode, especially when it comes to forecasting um, cold air damming. I'm like, wait, what? Like how, like, how do you know this stuff? You know, and it's just experience. Best part about Panovich is he has so many secret links for data on the internet that he just has hidden in all of his bookmarks. Mm -hmm. He does. It's a wealth. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. We're getting close to 850. I think we can probably sneak one or two more questions in here, Scotty. Uh, and then we'll throw it back to you to wrap everything up. Um, Kelly, I want you to talk a little bit about the NASA stuff that you did back at UNCA. Um, tell us what that's about, how you got that, and how some other students may be able to get it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, NASA has this really awesome program called NASA Develop, um, and it's mostly at bigger colleges from what I know. Um, I think they even have one at UGA. Um, 
and I think Huntsville has one too, but uh, Asheville has the Climate Data Center, which is called, it's called something else now, NCEI, National Center for Environmental Information, um, which is awesome to have like right in your backyard as you're going to school. Um, and they got a develop program my last, my last two years in school. Um, so it was a brand new program. They came out to the school and was like, hey, you know, we're looking for people uh, to come to this. Do, uh, we do um, individual climate projects that you get done in 10 weeks. So no matter what, I mean, there's continuations of projects, but 10 week project, you'll have, a, you know, some kind of data set or product at the end to deliver to people. Um, so I was like, okay, um, computer programming isn't my strong suit. Um, climate data, I haven't worked with a ton, but it was something new and foreign to me. And I was like, you know what? I'm like, when am I going to have the opportunity to do something like this again? So I applied, and since my school was so small, like barely anybody from my department applied and because I didn't really know about it. So I think that was a really – I'm not saying, oh, I just got it because nobody else applied. But, I mean, it was really helpful being in such a small area. Um, and learning to help it grow as I went through the program. Um, so it was one of the smaller develop uh, notches. It was me and one other student who's a graduate student who moved here. Um, and we did a climate project on renewable energy. Uh, so basically, for we were trying to make a data product that used El Nino and other oscillations and teleconnections to um, predict when there'll be abnormal heating degree days in the southeast. So, hey, I want to sell this to, you know, a gas company to let them know natural gas uh, prices are going to rise because uh, the southern oscillation is in a positive phase. So it's going to help with climate anomalies and stuff like that. Um, so a lot of it was me just learning because I used a programming language called R that I never been. I only knew how to write like loops in uh, computer programming. I never used Fortran, so I was like, oh my gosh, like, what am I doing here? How am I doing this? Um, and then I would go on conference calls with people from uh, NASA headquarters explaining to them stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, how how do I do this? But um, it helped me in a sense with computer programming because, you know, going through data sets and climate data is something I didn't know how to do before. And then really helped me with my public speaking because I had to give, uh, there's a closeout presentation at the end where I, uh, different NASA groups from all over the world came to Asheville and I had to present to them all the data that we found in our presentation and put together a poster and write a paper. Um, so I learned really, I learned a ton about science writing and writing papers and research, uh, doing presentations and posters and all that stuff. And then I became kind of um, a uh, spokesperson for the develop program. Um, I really, I went back to my school and gave presentations and told other people how to uh, to apply, and I think since then they've done probably four or five projects since I've left. Um, I'm not sure the status of it right now, but um, it's just really awesome. It's such a small program that a lot of people don't know about, um, and that's the type of place where it's okay if you make mistakes because you're working hard and it's not your official job, but you're learning along the way, and it's you know an experience that you know it was a really tough ten weeks, but you know having that experience behind me and like being able to say that I worked for NASA is pretty cool. So. That's awesome. I I had never heard of that program before, uh, before I kind of dug up a little information earlier this afternoon. So that's really, really cool, especially for you know folks here in Carolina to get to end up doing it. So yeah. Alrighty, let's see. Eight fifty five. Okay, I'm gonna shove one more question here because Sarah, we brought up Brad. I got to bring up Larry. Give us a Larry story. Oh, so my very first week at uh, NBC Charlotte. Larry, like he was like the one dude that I knew and I was, I was working day side. So I get there and Larry was there. And so he was like someone I couldn't forget. You know, when you start a new job, you get shuffled around the building and you're like, okay, so what's your position? Who's in charge of who and what's your name again? And Larry was telling me the wrong names of people. So I would remember like one of we, when we had a floor crew, I, he was, getting me to call him like Mark and stuff. And they would look at me weird and I'm like, that's definitely Mark and no, his name was actually Travis. Um, so that's one story that I'll always remember about Larry. Um, and I am so glad that he, obviously after his car accident, um, that he's okay now because it was weird not having him around the weather area when Cause he's always the jokester. He's the prankster. He like puts little rubber mice underneath my desk to freak me out like 
repetitively. Now I know that it's just fake until a real one comes along every now and then. Um, and yeah, I, I do love Larry, but I just remember my once or I'll always remember him introducing me to the wrong people. We have to round it out. Tell us a John Wendell story right quick. <laughs> John Wendell. Um, <laughs> okay. You guys know that YouTube video where the guy is singing about some city and he, John, anyways, it's just wretched, like, YouTube video. And John was like, hey, like, this is your assignment today. They want you to go interview this guy um, because we're going to put him on the news. And I was like, wait, for real? I was like, we can't put this guy on the news. And he's like, yeah, you have to. Like, yeah, you can. Um, and I just remember him totally fooling me. And I was like, um, I'm not standing for this. Like, I refuse to do this story because this man is a lunatic. I can't remember the name of the song that he was singing, but if I find it, I'll put it on your Facebook page for giggles. I was an intern for John when he taught uh, earth science at UNCC. And he would do that with students sometimes too. He would tell them like, no, you're just going to fail the course or something. He would be so serious about it too. And then afterwards, the kid would like get really pissed and like almost storm out. He's like, no, 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 wait, I'm sorry. That's not what I meant. So, uh, John certainly loves to play jokes as well. All right, uh, Scotty, I think it's 8.57. Let's wrap this up. All right, we can do it. Kelly, you have any quick stories about any of the Mets you work with? Um, similar to uh, the fake rats, they uh, have we have fake spiders in our um, very large fake spiders that just show up places. <laughs> so I feel you on the fake insects slash rats. We yeah. also have real – the South has the scariest bugs in the entire world. I just – I can't even – cockroaches and lizards and oh. <laughs> lizards or bugs like anything that walks crawls or flies either bites or stings well like florida has pythons where uh sarah well yeah. for the south but jeez did y'all see that monster gator that walked through i mean is that I didn't even know if that was real. It didn't look real. It was a dinosaur. dinosaur. <laughs> I wouldn't have believed it was real. Oh, my gosh. Brad's probably run, like, photo analysis on that to figure out if it's real or not. <sighs> so. Well, there's a video of it walking. I mean, it's, it's pretty real. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Well, guys, uh, uh, girls, we appreciate you coming on tonight. Uh, Kelly and Sarah, I'll let you uh, tell our followers your uh, social media accounts, how they can get a hold of you. Uh, Kelly, we'll let you go first. Uh, my so my Twitter and Facebook are both Kelly Dobeck W R D W W A G T. Um, my Twitter is just Kelly Dobeck W R D W. So there's lots of W's. <laughs> I'll post it on the page. But thanks so much for having me, guys. This is a lot of fun. We appreciate having you. And Sarah. Uh, yeah, I'm the same on pretty much every platform. Sarah Fortner W X Instagram Snapchat. Twitter, Facebook. I have a website now, Sarah Fortner WX. I'm trying to build content for that. Um, and yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. Well, we appreciate um, having you guys on, and we'll definitely have to uh, get you back on the show very soon. We're going to yes. have to have him back on with a Betsy episode just to tell us all the embarrassing stories about Betsy or something here. Yeah, right? <laughs> we need to do that. We'll, we'll get in touch with Betsy, see if we can fun. get some plant. All right, guys. Well, next week uh, on the show, we have Sunset Weather. I'm sure you guys have seen those uh, those folks on Twitter, uh, at uh, SunsetWX. Uh, they're going to be joining us uh, to talk about their product and uh, just how it's taken off here in the past uh, year or so. So very excited to have uh, those folks on. And then after that, Organic Meteorology. We're going to kind of talk about some teleconnections <clears throat> that Kelly was referring to uh, earlier in the program. We're going to be uh, speaking with uh, Dr. Anthony Lupo from the University of Missouri. Uh, as he uh, kind of talks to us about uh, teleconnections and the Barron Sea rule. So uh, looking forward to uh, having those folks on. And then I think we have an off show, well, not an off show, but kind of an open date on the 8th before we have Tim Schmidt come in uh, and talk about the new uh, GoZR project, or Go16 now, I think is what it's called. It's, uh, it's and I, I learned the other day, Scotty, the first images from that are going to be released at AMS. So we should have uh, images Whoa. when Tim joins us. So. Awesome. Awesome. Looking forward yeah. to that. Scotty, also make one quick mention here. Uh, a group of meteorologists getting together to do National Podcast Awareness Month. Uh, I don't know if it's going to have national in it yet. The name is still being put together. But March is going to be a big month for all of us at the Carolina Weather Group and all the other um, podcasters that are out there. So we're all going to be sort of uh, working together, coming on each other's shows, doing some uh, severe weather awareness 
we, we do have John Jensenius from NOAA. He's the lightning expert coming on our show on the 15th. And then after that, we'll have uh, Doug Marcy on from March the 22nd. He's from the NOAA Coastal Management Services here in Charleston to talk about flooding and sea level rise. So uh, a couple of really big topics coming up in the month of March uh, yeah. as far as severe weather and, and just awareness for the coastline in general. Yeah, and I have to give big props to Shay. Um, during the uh, snowstorm last week, my mine wasn't really on helping out with that. So Shay's really taken the ball for the National Weather Podcast Month, and it's really done a lot of work on the Carolina Weather Group's part. So I want to thank him for that. And uh, we look forward to participating with all of the uh, podcasts. I know you guys have heard Weather Brains, uh, Weather Junkies, uh, Stormfront Freaks, uh, just to name a few of the uh, the podcasts that we're going to be uh, kind of um, introducing intertwined with for the month of March. So we look forward to that. So again, thanks to Sarah and Kelly for coming on tonight. Uh, we hope you uh, all have a great rest of the week and make sure to tune in next uh, Wednesday night as we have sunset weather on with us. Uh, as always, uh, stay safe out there. Watch out for that heavy rain threat this weekend uh, throughout the Carolinas and in the Southeast and uh, some severe weather threats as well. So until next week, we will uh, hope that you have a great weekend.